Greetings, friends. I hope that you are all having a wonderful day wherever you are out there in the world. Hope that you're getting plenty of waves. If you're tuning in from California, we have had plenty of swell over the last two weeks. Seems like these uh, mid-range west swells just never stop. Um, I've been getting fun waves for so long now. I feel like a real surfer again. It's a blast. And uh, I have a feeling that we're going to have a very spicy winter given all of these swells that are showing up already. Um, I found out that I am I made the alternate list for the WSL Mavericks contest this winter, which is really exciting. Uh, I'm going to go up to the opening ceremony this Friday uh, in Half Moon Bay, if any of you um, happen to be in the area. It's a, it's a cool ceremony. Uh, we all paddle out. There's a big circle. Um, would love to meet you in human form if you are going to be in Half Moon Bay this Friday. Other than that, I am working on the Motherfucker Awards with Chris Ryan every single day. We are doing the event on December 4th in Inglewood. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the Motherfucker Awards is an awards show where we celebrate the companies who have done the most to destroy Mother Earth. And we get comedians to accept the awards on behalf of the corporations and brag about their accomplishments. Uh, so it's all coming together. December 4th, you can get tickets at themotherfuckerawards.com or in the link below this podcast. I have a feeling I'm going to make some powerful enemies as a result of this little stunt very quickly. <laughs> so it's a, it's a fun, exciting feeling to have. Uh, other than that, thank you to Ben for donating to the podcast on Patreon this week. This is an ad-free show, and I rely on listeners like you to keep it that way. So high five, Ben. If any of you have a few extra bucks that you can spare, you can click the link below this podcast where I say, buy me a cup of coffee on Patreon. You can also go to my website, kyle.surf, to do that. You can also That's where you can check out the articles that I write, documentaries, all that fun stuff. Um, but I'm going to get rolling on this podcast. Uh, this was with a comedian named Eddie Ift. He is also a surfer, very thoughtful guy. Um, you know, want to do more podcasts with this guy and also want to go surf with him. Um, just a, a good dude who lives down in L.A. Uh, we had some mutual friends and I was grateful that he made it happen. He has his own podcast called The Bingle Show, which I recommend you check out. He's got a uh, a big van, kind of a Chris Ryan-esque van that he tours around the country and does podcasts with some of the best comedians in the world, uh, you know, which he is one of. So he's, he's, a, he's a funny motherfucker. I've seen him some of his, his stand-up. He's, he's ruthless, very honest, deeply honest human. Um, so without further ado, please welcome to the show, Eddie Ift. Kyle Tierman here. I'm in Cape Town. I was the only journalist in northern Nigeria. Not an adventure until you get lost in Tijuana. You get caught inside by a giant wave, you feel really alone. I love the adventure of waking up and not knowing what will happen and that being my job. I'm standing at a desert oasis right now. A lot of tourists don't see this part of Bali. Smiles and thumbs up. Thumbs up. Everyone wants to win the argument. I know I'm all I ever want to be is right. I tried to write a joke about it once about uh, 
the uh, the thing men want more than sex is to hear you're right. And uh, I think everybody wants to hear you're right. I, I have all these beliefs and everything and things I practice and I push them on everyone. And I feel like I know better than all of them. And sometimes, a good amount of times, they'll end up years later surfacing and being true or there was fact based and they finally proved what I was saying or what I was, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm one of those people out searching and trying to find answers. And that's and why the, podcasting is such a great medium for you. Like I can, t- I've watched a lot of your stand up, and I can tell that you go after subjects that are contentious, but you're trying to find your truth in it. And I heard you say, uh, I think on Chris Ryan's podcast that you've come up with bits that came off at the beginning as just super racist, yeah. but it's because you needed to get there, get there yeah. and work it out. And the beautiful thing about podcasting is the right, is that it's such a free exploration of ideas. It is. And, and it is, somebody said, uh, uh, somebody said podcasting is the new stand-up. It's stand-ups move to podcasting because there is more of a freedom here in a way where stand-up, you're getting shut down from that freedom of thought where the, you can't say that that's offensive, that's wrong. I, it happens in podcasting too. I mean, how upset everybody got about Elon Musk taking a hit of a joint. I mean, that made the world crash for a, a day. And I was like, is this really happening? Do you it's think too- it did though? Do you, or do you think it was just a minority of people? But, but a vocal minority. And right. that's the problem. It's like the boy that cried wolf is very loud now. Right. He's screaming in the middle of the woods and everybody hears him. Yeah. Um, where he just would get eaten and nobody would know about it. Uh, the... You're right. Nothing really ever happens. Like nobody gives a shit that Elon Musk took a hit and didn't even inhale. Um, <laughs> and it was like the most awkward. <laughs> Learn how to smoke a joint. It Elon. was so weird. It was like, what do you? He was like a. Ro- it was like giving a robot marijuana. Right. It was like, will this affect my wiring? I'm afraid to. Oh no! Shutting down. And uh, no big deal. But I think. Uh, and it also. What does it do? It brings publicity to it. All of a sudden, Joe Rogan's podcast probably grew even bigger than it already is. Yeah. So, um, I think that we're just going back to the the difference between stand up and podcasting. Yeah. One thing that's nice about podcasting is that people can, uh, even if you say something that comes out sloppy, you can fix the, it. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, you can edit it out. No, the audience knows your intent because they've been along for the ride with you through the whole conversation. Sure, and, sure, and it's true. They're not going to clip it, take it out of context. Sometimes they do, but uh, you can work out a thought. Right. Whereas stand up, it's like a finished thing. You were waiting for a result. Was there a laugh? If there was a laugh, it wasn't offensive. If there, if there, uh, if there was a laugh, it wasn't offensive. If there's silence, oh no, you've just said something horribly wrong. And it can also, um, you know, I'm, I'm what's called a headliner in comedy. Like I do 45 minutes to an hour, and my shows are like finished shows. Like people are paying to come see me. And very rarely am I working out material. Like when so, I'm in LA or New York, I work out material sort of. Like you'll go on for shorter shows though if you're just going to work it yeah, out. Yeah, right? yeah. And when they don't, when they're not there to see me, they're like, "Oh, who's this random dude?" Which happens often, you know, where they're like, "Who's this guy?" And I come on stage and and then I just do it. Then I can work out stuff. But when they come to see me, and I drop that bomb that doesn't work, then it's like. And he said this. I mean, I've had, you can go read on the internet, uh, 
uh, I did, I think I talked about this on Chris Ryan. I did a show in Australia called what women don't want to hear. And it was like, I was poking the dragon, like going, come at me. And they did. Uh, feminists came after me really, really hard, like real, and they one star review in every newspaper. And I, I had traditionally gotten good reviews and, uh, I think I just was asking for it and I, I didn't even care when the reviews came out. I, I kind of thought it was funny and I said to my promoter, we should change my posters to say, if is a star <laughs> and then show like all these one star reviews I got. But it just reminded me of college when, right. when I would, I, I was political science major and I would take, uh, I would, uh, there'd be these essays and the, the, the exam would be essay and I would just write my opinions and what I thought and how I, how I, you know, took in the material and, and, and the way I thought about it and analyzed it. And I would get the lowest grade on the exam and I, I started thinking to myself, what am I doing wrong here? Am I, am I, am I an idiot? And then I went and started, I went and talked to a professor and she told me why I was wrong. And basically what she was telling me was I was disagreeing with her. And this goes back to being right. So I did my next exams, just recapitulating everything the professor told me. And I would get an A. Huh, that's a frightening world to live it in. It was so frightening that I realized, and weirdly at the time, I was, a, and, and I, I, you can't put a label on me. I, I, uh, I don't know if I'm liberal, I'm conservative, I'm, I'm all over the map on so many different issues. And I listened to both sides all the time. I, I feel like I'm like Judge Judy or Judge Wapner. Like I actually listen to the plaintiff and the defendant. Well, it's fun. That's when life gets really exciting. <laughs> but I feel like everybody right now is listening to the plaintiff and going guilty right and nobody listens to the defendant so i uh i just found that it it was really really difficult to uh to be that so i'm like feel like i'm ultra moderate now and back then i was a bit conservative because i grew up conservative and uh you know it took me a while to open my eyes to other things and it was just what i was nurtured in but I had good points and they just wouldn't hear them. Like, and I feel like that goes on. I'm, I would say I'm left of center right now. Very left of center. A lot of people would say, uh, but I see a, I, my favorite podcast is one called, uh, left, right and center. And it's, a uh, KCRW, uh, it's, you know, these three politicians or three editors of newspapers that are all political and, uh, one's a liberal, one's conservative and one's in the middle. And I pretty much usually agree with the center and the left person, but I love the guy on the right. And I, I love his opinion. I listen to it all the time and I'm like, oh, he's making so much sense. And I wish we could all be in this forum. Right. Well, it, it seems like you are coming from a, a space where you think that someone who disagrees with you can help you become a better person. So it's the idea of being fragile or anti-fragile. Mm -hmm. like if you read something that offends you, you can look at that with a, a sense of curiosity. Like, why is that making, why is that offending me? How can this make my argument better rather than shutting your ears and, and, and thinking that that will scar you in some way? Right. And I, so... 
getting back to like one thing that I've noticed about you is that like, yeah, you, you do enjoy poking the oh, dragon more than anything in the world. Right. And do you think that your intent is always to get to truth or do you think that it sways back and forth to like offend people? I'll, I'll just speak personally. Like I very much identify with that. Like I think it's really fun to look at all sides of the elephant in any issue and be like, hmm, oh, what about this? What about that? But sometimes I find that like, usually it's after like a long night of drinking that I'll say things <laughs> just to be contentious. Like I'm not actually searching for the highest truth. I'm doing it to just to poke the dragon because it's energizing. I, I hate to use this phrase, but let's unpack that. Let's, <laughs> I hate that word unpack. Um, everybody uses it. There's so many like words right now during the election. It was pivot. They all use pivot all the time. Right. Uh, but unpacking, I feel like, or let's, let's, uh, what's the other one? Let's walk that back. Oh, they, <laughs> he walked that back. Um, anyway, there's so much there. Yes. Uh, there is that when I'm hearing a good argument, sometimes, I just wanted to end and I saw a drop a bomb on it like and say something from left field to kind of grenade it like let's just shut up about this and I'm going to throw something in that can make it I'll take you to another level a lot of times it's I think people will never break out of their mold they're going to think the way they think and so I have to trick them into seeing another way. And there were comedians that I loved that did that. Doug Stanhope does that. And I think Carlin did that a bit. And Lenny Bruce and all these famous satirists did that where, you know, it's uh, the spoonful of medicine or a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Where all of a sudden you're laughing at something and you're like, oh my God, that's me. Oh my God, I do that. I'm such a hypocrite. Right. Holy shit. Holy shit. They, they're right. I'm wrong. And it's easier to get somebody to laugh at themselves than it is to say, no one, it's that ego thing. Nobody wants to go, I'm wrong. Uh, all right, I give up, I surrender. But if they start laughing at it and they're like, this is ridiculous. And I'm not even a big pot smoker, but you look at like all the Republican senators that were completely against marijuana and blah, blah, blah. And now, you know, they, they are owning pot farms and trying to make money off of it. And if you sat around with them and had a drink with them, they'd be like, oh, I tried that marijuana one. Oh, it was not. Hey, you know, it's actually kind of fun. You know, and you're like, you're an idiot. Like you fought something for so long because you're and I and I do this with my father because my father's very conservative and I'll see him. I'll fight him tooth and nail and things. I've been fighting for years on the Catholic Church, years about how the place should get, I go, we shouldn't bomb the Middle East. We should just be dropping bombs on the, and I tell it on stage, I go, get those, get those stealth bombers in the air right now, fly over every Catholic church and drop a bomb on it. Do it on a Thursday. Right. So no one gets killed. But do you feel like going <laughs> so far in that direction? Like yes. pe people yes. is the sugar like that. Like most people say like, well, there should be changes made to the, the yeah. Catholic church. Yeah. But by going so far, like, no, we should drop a fucking bomb drop on a it. Fucking bomb is that it. is that sugar that um, I mean, I'm down? obviously embellishing and exaggerating. I wouldn't right. want that to happen. But I feel like. But if, that's the comedy. If it, you take obviously. it to an extreme, you make people sometimes think and sometimes I'm not this diabolical I wish I was but sometimes if you t play devil's advocate and take it so extreme you can force people out of a position and I think 
I have this theory now that that's what the the right is doing. They're emphasizing right now the radical left, which is such a small minority of people in the country, like Antifa and people like that. But they're exaggerating them and bringing them to light all the time. So the people are in the middle, which is most of us, start to go, wait a minute, and move more Right. right. And it was uh, I read somewhere that Saul, Saul Linsky used to do that with the left. And now this is it was like Breitbart's yeah. uh, Andrew Breitbart. It was his whole plan. And it's working. Yeah. Do you know who Adam Scott is? Mm-mm. He was the creator of Dilbert and he wrote a book yes. called How to Win Bigly, all about Trump. Yes. And it's all about negotiation and how Trump uses these uh, these tactics yeah. in his presidency. So like he will say something so egregious that people were like, no, 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 no. And then he'll he'll move it back. That won't actually be his plan. Yep, but yep. similarly with negotiation, you throw out I, such a high number and I, then you go back, but you still I ca- win. I, I call it the motorcycle bicycle theory. When I was a little kid, I used to ask my parents for a motorcycle all the time. Yeah. I didn't want a motorcycle. I wanted a new bike. Right. And uh, I would beg and beg and beg for a motorcycle. And then finally, when I gave in for the bike... I got the best bike I wanted. Ask for a five-some. Maybe you'll get a three-some. Yeah, exactly. It's the, <laughs> it's the same thing. I'm sure everybody's got there. Right. Um, but uh, I've seen that a lot. And, and I do believe Trump does. I think Trump's a very pragmatic man. And uh, I don't agree with him on almost anything. And I think his ways, whatever his ways are, if he gets what he accom- wanted to accomplish, he created too much pain along the way. And um, so I don't agree with him. But I do think... And I, I almost don't think he's smart enough to, to do those things, but maybe it's like a subconscious thing that he's doing. But uh, the that technique, I saw it done like I'm talking about the other way, where uh, it, it, he's not this diabolical. If he is, if he is, he's the smartest man that has ever lived. Like, let's say, let's just say in this crazy, weird world that he's still really liberal and that his whole master plan was to blow up the system, go super hardcore, right. And push everybody back and get these things done by despite of himself. Sure. Then he's like, if he went, ha ah, this was my master plan. Gotcha. Yeah. He's the smartest man ever, but I have seen somebody do this and I was, it was amazing. I was uh, in college. I was in a fraternity. And uh, I know everybody will criticize fraternities, but I had a damn good time. Uh, it really was. It was organized fun. It was. Where'd I, you go? I went to the University of Pittsburgh, and they said, "Hey, you join this group, and you pay a couple hundred bucks a semester, and then they go out and buy all the beer together, and chicks come over to your house." And I was like, "This is the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> I love this business." Yeah, model. and people are right. like, "You're buying your friends." I'm like, "No, I'm not. I'm buying group alcohol and a party." Right. And so you, so you knew this guy. And uh, so the president of the fraternity. Uh, thanks for keeping me on track because I'll go on another gotcha. tangent and tell you uh, this. The, the president of the fraternity. One time we had a me- you had meetings like every week, and we had a meeting and they had dinner. And uh, they were getting dinner catered. Come up to the meeting. Well, uh, they served dinner and everybody ate everything that was there. And this one guy shows up late, and he's in a bad mood, and all the food's gone. And he's like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" And he starts like tipping over tables, like just throwing a tantrum that was unnecessary but because we were about to have a meeting where we vote on issues and stuff people got really angry about him and we're like let's fucking throw him out let's let you know like let's blackball him right now and he was a good dude 
And but there was just everybody saw this tantrum. There was an overreaction. They wanted to throw him out of the fraternity. And it would have been a really, really bad decision because he was such a good guy. And the president, who was a genius, like a real fucking diabolical genius, was good friends with him. But so was everybody was friends with him. The president who we expected you would expect would say, guys, no, this is relax. Leave him alone. You know, we can't do this. He would have been it would have been 100 against one. So instead of doing that, he threw a bigger tantrum and started just like breaking shit and throwing shit and going, throw him the fuck out of here, get him out of it and would not stop. And everybody started to see this and be like, he's out of fucking control. And he's like, this guy's ridiculous. We do not. This does not belong in here. We need to get rid of him now. You know, throwing, screaming, jumping up and down, not wanting to hold meeting. And everybody started going, Randy, calm the fuck down. (laughs) Calm the fuck down. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. And it never came to vote because of Randy's tirade. And everybody was like, I mean, he didn't really do anything that bad. I mean, he might have flipped over a table or something. And later that night, I lived on the same floor with Randy in the house, and I, I walked past his room, and I, and I peeked in, and I said, that was all manufactured, wasn't it? And he looked at me, and he winked at me, and I just went, holy fuck. And I went back to my room, and my roommate was there, and I went, Randy's diabolical. Like, that guy's a genius. Yeah. And so it's always made me a bit cynical to what somebody's true agenda is. Yeah. I, um, so my background is in environmentalism and it's, it's always funny to me when people say like, Oh, environmentalists aren't relatable because they're many of them just don't know when to shut the fuck up. But uh-huh. when you're trying to relate to someone who you don't know, you talk about the weather, oh, a nice burp. right? Yeah. Like, oh, it's hot out today. Ah, it's cold out today. So I do think that, uh, environmentalism can be this great, like, um, great amplifier to bring people together. Um, my point, though, is, is that environmentalists tend to be very earnest and they ask for exactly what they want and just just what they want. Like, oh, let's just protect this little cove here. And then people push back against that. And I found that, like, in the past, the most radical environmentalists, like the... Um, the gosh, John Muir, you know, who John, yeah, yeah, uh, John yeah, Muir yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. So John Muir became very famous for uh, for protecting Yosemite Valley, uh-huh. because at one point there was a proposal to flood Yosemite Val- Valley for water. Um, and I don't know if you know of, uh, where Lake Hetch Hetchy is. I don't. But so Hetch Hetchy is um, kind of a mirror of Yosemite Valley. Okay. And at what at one point, um, John Muir was trying to protect it from being flooded. That's where a lot of San Francisco's water uh, supply comes okay. from, but he has this famous quote where he says, "Damn Hetch Hetchy, we may as well use our cathedrals as water tanks, for no greater um, structure has ever been created by God." So he's like, "No, let's not damn Hetch Hetchy. Let's damn our fucking churches, yeah, right?" It, and he takes it's a great it to idea. This now we could we could do this with the Catholic Church. It would right. actually do yeah, some yes. Good. I'm over your bombing idea. Let's just turn, <laughs> turn them into water tanks. Yeah, what was I thinking? Yeah. <laughs> We'd have to clean up all that rubble, probably create so many environmental problems. Yeah, let's use them as water tanks. That's yeah. a great idea. 
Yeah, I was uh, last night. I went to the comedy store. I saw a show, and and Mark Maron was doing that a lot okay. too. I won't give away his bits, but like he, a lot of it is environmental. Oh, and really? how That's the world his... is going to shit, <laughs> <laughs> like, and how there are these new normals yeah. that we uh, ascribe to. Like he's like, oh, it was, we have a. It's like 120 the other day, and my tree was getting singed. Like that's just our, that's our normal now. Here we go. Yeah, it's uh, you know when it comes to environmentalism, I've tried to. Uh, it was one of those things that I tried to stay away from because I was like, this is too big for me. It's way too big, and now it's one of those things that I, I can't get away from. And sometimes I feel like I've just gone way too hippie and, uh, and I see the ridiculousness in it, you know, like I go to get my smoothie and I have to have the paper straw, but it's in a plastic cup. Right. And I'm like, well, you know, why don't, why don't you go, go all the way. And I, I, I get all caught in there cause it's how I am with my diet. You know, I start out, I, I incrementally go into things like or people would say I have a probably pretty extreme diet but it took me a long time to get there. So I think I'm doing that environmentally also where, you know, like every time I read something, I go, oh, and I'll call my wife and go, hey, we can't use Craig cups anymore. You got to get rid of those. Why not? Oh, they pollute the ocean more, more than anything. Oh, we can't do this. Or, oh, we and, you know, she'll come to me and say, oh, and they're just adding up. So I don't blame anyone. I, I, I feel like. This is awareness. I, I, I do blame people that are diabolical, that are about, hey, I know this is killing someone or I know this is, but I don't care and I'm going to make more money and it's about me. That selfishness, I've always felt like that's bullying and I'm weird about bullying. I think anyone can bully and the prototype in people's heads, they have this big guy who beats up on a little guy, but I know that little guy could turn around and bully that big guy just years later. Right. And it's just... It's happening now in a lot of ways where, you know, the, the the nerds that have taken over the Internet have then bullied the people that always bullied them. And and I believe it's happening with this Me Too movement hmm. where it's a lot of opportunism where it's you don't fight discrimination with discrimination. Right. You you put an end to discrimination. Right. So um, I don't know where I was going with that, but it was all about just incrementally trying to, like, pick up. It environmentalism yeah and and uh inclusive to your point about me too and inclusivity as opposed to exclusivity um there's a great podcast that i was listening to on the way over here called safe spaces it was on sam harris's podcast okay. and um he had a, a guy on who's writing this whole book about safe spaces and he brings up the um that the success to martin luther king's movement was how inclusive he was he said you know we are all brothers and sisters, but some of our brothers and sisters are being treated with disrespect. They are not getting the respect of the law. And through that argument, he's drawing this bigger circle around everyone to include everyone in it. And that's how you win rather than creating an argument that is exclusive where you are drawing a small circle around that's, your group of that's people. That's so funny and, because I think the left is doing that right, right now. Where they're going, you're not perfect. Yeah. You have, you failed somewhere in life. You have a transgression. You're out. Uh, we are the most pious group of people. And it's so funny because I believe in uh, horseshoe theory. Yeah. Where the polar extremes are actually closer than 
than the middle. Right. And uh, ISIS and the ultra conservatives yeah, still hate, same thing. hate women. Right? And but also the radical left, the radical right. Yeah. It used to be that the right was this group of like, hey, we are uh, we're the group that is we don't believe in profanity. We don't believe in egregious acts of, you know, anything lascivious. And you have to. What's lascivious? Like like anything, you know, where you're they don't they they were the ones that were all about anti-sex and anti uh, anyone being uh, not monogamous and right. and it was crazy how they were and this like religious pious attitude and now the left is the one like <clears throat> he was cheating on his wife he was he slept with a porn star he um you know, he was this. He took a picture with his hand over a woman's boob. He, uh, and it's created this. And I'm not, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm not against. Like I think no, that's okay. Thanks. Um, I think sexual harassment is horrible. It's an awful thing. Obviously, right. rape is the worst thing in the whole. It's one of the worst things in the whole world. I mean, if not worse. Um, these things are awful, awful, awful things. But when Matt Damon says there's a spectrum. And that, uh, you know, masturbating on a girl or in front of a girl, not on a girl, masturbating in front of a girl is not the same as raping a woman. He was castigated for this. Right. I mean, I, I when I heard Matt Damon's argument to the whole Me Too movie, I was like, oh, he's he's really thought this out well. And he's got a and all of a sudden they just went after him so hard. And I was like, here's Matt Damon, who's done so much for liberal causes so much and you're just crushing him and nobody's perfect but you're gonna kick out you're gonna bite off your, your what is it bite off your face or hand despite your face what is it bite off your nose despite your face you're biting off your nose despite your face like matt's he's trying he's right. thinking this out i i remember once he did a voiceover for a commercial for banks and i'm like isn't he against all the big banks and so I looked it up and they said that he donated all the money to this like anti-banking thing or some kind. And I was like, they're trying. Yeah. Everybody's like going in these incremental steps. Right. Nobody's perfect. And, and the left right now is just like, holy shit, you've done one thing wrong. You're out. Right. And pretty soon they're going to kick everyone out. Yeah. Yeah. So two things there. And um, I love these conversations um, that we've kind of touched on. So you can win by creating a culture of drawing bigger circles. And that's what I was kind of getting at with the environmentalist stuff is like in the environmental movement could be the biggest circle because it is the one thing that involves literally (laughs) fucking involves everybody. Right. Good point. But there are, but that's not what we do. Right. It's a very exclusive thing it's like oh you you bring in your plastic bags like you're out of the circle right rather than trying to draw the biggest circle so you can win that way i think you can also win by comedy like by by going so diabolical like the president of the school that you show everyone how silly they're being right and show that hypocrisy sure so those are there are two tactics um, and Martin Luther King wasn't a comic. He was he was the one who was drawing these bigger circles. The comics, like, you draw such a small circle that you show how silly everyone else is being. My fear of that is, though, 
if I go on like Quora or a Facebook post or something where say somebody's arguing an environmental issue and it starts and then you're listening to both sides and the argument's going back and forth right? and you're finding every once in a while, you, a lot of times you find arguments where there's total holes in it. And you're right. like, this guy's, you, you have an agenda, you're an idiot, you don't pay attention. Right. But every once in a while you start to see somebody really intelligent from the other side, their point of view, and you're like, whoa, wait a minute. Right. And then you're torn and you're going back and forth and you're torn and you're like, this is never going to get solved unless there's a dictator that just comes in and throws their fist down or the other, you know, the other end of the spectrum, we, we all die. Right. Because, or we get to a point, um, you know, my friend Paul Provenza who made the documentary, the aristocrats always said, uh, he said, they're never going to find an alternative use for energy until they find a way to make money from it. Right. He's like, if they could make money from burning dog shit, he goes, they'd be we'd be making you know dogs right now to make shit we it's all about the money and we won't do it until we get there and uh and he used to say an extreme kind of paul's pretty extreme and really funny and he said stuff like i think it was paul that said this i don't want to quote him because somebody said it let's just say somebody when i was in australia i spent a lot of time in australia they had a lot of water restrictions and um and so there's a need for finding a way for salination plants, whatever it may be, to figure this out. The water restrictions, their point was, aren't going to help. Like, if we keep doing this, we're putting off getting there. If we get there, they'll figure it the fuck out. And it's like with, with cars and gasoline and oil and all the problems, all these hybrid cars were just a Band-Aid. And they were... I, I watched a documentary on this where we're wasting all this technology on them, which is a waste. Yes, it makes people aware, but that's not our solution. So all that effort that's spent on that, you know, and everybody running around with their virtue signaling, like, look at me in my hybrid. I'm in a Prius. Well, you just wasted money that could have been spent on solar power or right. something that, that could have been a more effective solution. So a lot of times I see these in, in the environmental argument. And someone maybe on the conservative side being very pragmatic going, yeah, 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 you're, it's great that you're aware and you're trying, but fucking get to the fucking solution. And they're pragmatic. They're, they're numbers people. And they're like, look, I want the bottom line. I want to get to the, pro and I saw that. So I, that's where I get stuck in the middle where I'm going, oh yeah, wait, you know, like, I think it's great that you have a hybrid, but that's not the solution. Yeah, that's not where the the goal really is. Yeah. I, I appreciate people who are big thinkers who, like, uh, there's a woman named Annie Leonard. She's the uh, executive director of, of Greenpeace, and she did this viral series called Story of Stuff. And she's a big fan of this argument called Zero Waste, where, like, her whole point is that we are operating on a, a in a linear economy on a finite planet. So all of our stuff, we, we extract it, we produce it, we consume it, and we dispose of it. That's the linear system that we're operating right. on. And you cannot run on a linear system on a finite planet forever. Sure. So the only real solution is that we get to a space where there is zero waste, which is how nature operates, right? Which is that it kind of cradle to cradle. <laughs> how about right. My daughter came in today. This is the, she's yeah. three. And she said, Daddy, I want to make a compost. And I went... Right. 
what the yeah and i go and she goes to a very progressive school i said are they teaching this at school and she goes no she goes i saw it on tv and i was like you know and we try to limit her tv time and i'm like maybe we should make her watch more tv like yeah this is great that she just came in she's like daddy i want to make a compost and yeah like, all right we're gonna uh, make a compost compost is sexy as fuck my yeah. point in that is that uh i you know whether or not we get to that world or we burn up in flames i think i appreciate arguments that show us at where we actually need to go not just band-aids because i think that those band-aids can be very enabling for people and they don't they don't really see what's at stake i think and i'm gonna try to work out this point i yeah. think this is what we're doing on it i think <laughs> the, the glory think, of podcast i think right? what happens is it's like running a company or building a house or doing anything if you do lots of preparation, production, right? you do lots of preparation, you're obviously going to have things go wrong. There's going to be chaos, but you're going to probably end up doing better in the long run. Then if you let it like go to the last minute, don't do any preparation, you procrastinate, and then you're like, fuck it, we got to go. You usually make it happen. And I feel like Earth and humans at that moment where we're about to turn into a fiery ball in the in the atmosphere we'll figure something right. out yeah out of out of just human human will however we'd be a lot better off if we did our pre-production right yeah usually <laughs> and, and we prepared for this um somebody said if we had started this 30 years ago we could have stopped this right and if we really had just made a concerted effort and that's why sometimes I think you see, I read somewhere that politics is just the Harvard sect trying to trick the non-Harvard sect into following their rules and what they know. Huh. And you see that a lot. Like, I, I'm not a smart person, and I see these really, when I talk to somebody who's an intellectual and they're just super intelligent, I'm like, I should just get the fuck out of their way. <laughs> because they know what they're doing, and they know so much better than me. They know everything I know. They're able to... To, to articulate <laughs> they, it They've gotten to the point before I can get to the point. Yeah. <laughs> they know and what I'm, I'm trying to say before like, I know what yeah, I'm trying I'm to like, say. I'm like, I just need to shut the fuck up and get out of the way. <laughs> yeah. But the problem is, every once in a while, there's a sociopath in there who's like, I know how to do all this, but I'm also, I'm going to take it all because I'm only going to be here for a short time. Fuck everyone else. Because there is this Darwinism of, I want to take care of me and my family. Fuck everyone else at the end of the day. Because I think we all have that little bit of balance where you're like, I want to do the right thing, but I also have to worry about. <laughs> yeah, theoretically, I want to do the right thing. My family and my, you know, what's best for us. And I, look, in we, people would go, where in common? I'm like, I have to think about this shit every day about like, what is the best decision? What's the right decision? And what's the, what's, what's the, what's going to make my wife happy? What's going to make my daughter happy? What's going to. So and, there's compromise. Yeah, and and uh, what part of the garden can you tend to? Yeah, yeah, right. That's I, who's, I'm gonna, but it's some uh, meditation expert said it. It's like tend to the part of the garden you can touch. Yeah, because we have a lot of bugs in our mind, which make it. I mean, for me personally, like it is impossible for me to think of the number of people that are on planet Earth right now. Like to really conceptualize that, I can tell you the number, but I can't think that go to india you'll be able to think it right <laughs> i got off the shoulder plane i was shoulder. like holy fuck <laughs> right yeah i've been to a few of those spots yeah. but but yeah like tend to the part of the garden you can touch so it doesn't become environment so it doesn't 
becomes so overwhelming that you become bummed out on the rest of your life. Yeah. And that's my, like my great fear, uh, in the environmental world is that I will become one of those bummed out people who tries yeah. to take in yeah. too much and then I've been become un, unhealthy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, that's the, I think the antidote to that is like, go, go surfing with your friends, yeah. go have have some fun yeah that's that that part of life is so important too because at the end of the day we are all gonna die like yeah. no matter what we do uh we're gonna die my friend bobby sooner... doesn't think he's gonna die he thinks he's gonna live forever but yeah he's just part of that he's, movement. He's, uh, he's building a uh, stratosphere right now yeah uh, those people need to chamber. those people need to drink a big bowl of ayahuasca <laughs> 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 see what that shit's all about yeah. um I agree with you, and it's funny, uh, the guy that everybody says is on the right, but I don't believe he is, and I'm, uh, d- d- people come after me, I'm not, I'm not a big fan, I, I listen to everybody, but Jordan Peterson, yeah, sa- I think what he says is really good about, you know, people want to change the world, uh, I'm going to quote somebody else, a friend of mine who's just an idiot, used to say, how am I going to change the world when I can't even change my underwear? Right. And Jordan Peterson says, you know, like people talking about i want this or i want that or i want to change the world he goes what does your room look like go clean your room start with that it's like i wake up every morning i'm an idiot but i make my bed every day it's a habit i've had for just like a year about now where every morning i make my bed no matter what uh the only time i don't is in a hotel but i make my bed which i probably still should in the hotel to you know prevent them from changing the sheets and you know doing the right thing and i'm going to now that i just said this i'm going to make my bed they've got to change the sheets anyway though. no they won't if really? uh, if you make your bed i don't think they will change your sheets because uh you know like they shouldn't you're going to get into a well made bed open I, it up I, and get ifs pubic hairs <laughs> no no i no my point is if i'm staying in the hotel for a number of days right right and uh, <laughs> i can sleep in my own bed without them changing the sheets and it's just a little thing i can do for the environment that uh because and not even just for the environment but for yourself there's, right there's just no reason for right. them to be washing your sheet i don't do it at home i don't cha- yeah. change my sheets every day but that little bit of like you know when people when i look into politics and i find i do it all the time i go down these wormholes and i become so immersed and it ta- like this whole trump thing took over my life for a while where i was so obsessed like everyone else and at the end of the day i kept going how is it affecting me um, I make a good amount of money and I feel like those tax cuts didn't help me. My taxes went up. Uh, my health care went up. So he's as a guy who makes a lot of money, he's not on my side. So I don't know what all these Republicans are saying, because maybe it's me because I'm in California. I lost my write off of my. My. I think I think you need to be a little bit more rich for Trump to really be on your yeah, side. Like my and that's what I my think, personal so. opinion is that like you need to be on the like J.P. Morgan Chase level, right? And for so, it to be really and benefiting so, so, from so this. those people got tricked. The, right. the the majority of my friends that make you know a couple hundred thousand dollars a year don't realize no. they, they were scammed. No, but if you're a multinational corporation sure. who really stands to benefit from uh, Trump repealing the Clean Water Act, sure, like you're. You're on that level, right? So, and, and that is, uh, that's where when I look at politics and I'm like, how's this vote going to affect me? How's this vote going to affect me? There's, there's certain votes where it's like gay marriage. 
well, yeah, that vote's going to affect me because I have gay friends. Like, fucking let them fucking get married. What the... F I mean, Jesus Christ, like, make that a referendum vote. Like, because the majority of us want it. Things like that. But when there's these giant arguments, I'm like, how is this... How is this going to affect me? What's going to affect me is my local politics. Yeah. And in my neighborhood, the planes are flying over our neighborhood right now. They changed the FA or LAX or whatever changed the flight the, paths. The, the flight paths and they're now going over our house. And that that affects me. However, it's cutting down on their gas like they would they used to go out over the ocean then climb higher then fly out. Well, they were like, well, let's save money on gas. So the airlines were all for it. I should be for it because environmentally it's better. But here I am going, now I've got noise pollution. So it's where I'm caught in a conundrum where it's like, should I just take it on the chin and be like, fuck it? Or should I fight it and go, go over someone else's house? And there's so much of that involved yeah. in this. And so many decisions like I want to make my wife and, and daughter happy. But I also want to help the environment right. if it's cutting. Now I know the motive is not environmentalism. The motive is to make those airlines more money. So it's it's really complex. And so at the end of the day, it's like uh, I just went to get mineral spirits to uh, to clean the wax off my surfboards, and they were like, "You can't get mineral spirits." And I was like, "What?" They're like. No, they're outlawed. And I was like, "Why? Oh, they're bad for the environment. And I was like, all right, all right. I didn't fucking know. Right. I'm like, I'm with you guys. I'll yeah. find something else. You know, like. Yeah, but that's where it comes back to intent, right? Like intent really matters to not crucify you for for making a mistake. And, you know, going back to your point um, about Jordan Peterson, I, I appreciate a lot of what he has to say. And he has this, this great point. He, um, you may have heard it already um, about about how you know try and change yourself to change the world but also be someone who is fun to play with like that the goal isn't to win this game the goal is to be a player who other players want to play with right because then you get to play more right. in more games right and i th i think about that so often man like i um I'm buddies with uh, a guy named Greg Long. You know Greg Long? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, I know of him. Yeah, so uh, we travel quite a bit together, and he's uh, just one of the best people I know and has given me so many opportunities. Like, we went to Ireland together. Um, we went off on this crazy trip to Africa together. And Are you surfed, a big like, wave guy? Yeah. Oh, you psycho. Um, but, like, the, you know, a big part of big wave surfing uh, is about being able to be be with the right people on the day and yeah. have yeah. have yeah. there be a safety team that sure. wants to sure. look after you and and be someone who can participate sure. in the safety team and be fun to be around and be clean like like you you got to surf the waves but you don't need to be the best surfer right you just need to be someone who's fun to play with yeah yeah that's a good and point. i think about that a lot like when i'm on a trip with someone like greg or people who i'm like i'm really benefiting from being here with you yeah and I, yeah i want to get some good waves but more than anything i want to be someone who's fun to play with yeah that's, so, that's a really good point that, that that goes on in comedy too because we tour and i've toured with some of the best comedians in the world and you're miserable. Right. You're miserable the whole time. Uh, I went on a tour with, I'm not going to say the name, but it's one of the, right now, maybe one of the most famous comedians in the world because of what's going on. And I was almost suicidal. It was miserable. 
misery. And I, I've always used that point to people. I go, I don't want to get to the top if that's how you're going to feel when you get there. I have a group of comedians that I surf with. Right. There's a whole group of us. We surf together. They're all really good people. And I hang out with them. And they're not the, they're all funny and very, very successful in their own right. Uh, they're not the most successful. None of them have their own TV shows or anything like that. But they're, doesn't matter to me because I always put a different gauge on success. They're well balanced. They've got good relationships. They're fun people. They're, they're very happy. So to me, they're way more successful than, say, that comedian that's at the top of their game right now, that's making more money than anyone, that, but is miserable. Right. So my whole thing is balance. And I would, I do CrossFit. And CrossFit is all about being fit over a whole bunch of domains. You know, you're not the fastest runner and you're not the fastest swimmer and you're not the strongest lifter or can do the most gymnastics. But when you watch these guys in the competition in the games, there's 45 guys in the games. The guys that usually win are the guys that come in every event around eight, nine, 10 in every event. They don't win any events. They don't come in last in any events. They are very balanced over the whole thing. And at the end of the day, they win because they were the fittest person because they were balanced over all of these different domains. So that's kind of how I try to look at life is I don't care if I'm not the funniest guy in the world. I don't care if I'm not the best surfer. I don't care if I'm not the best father, but I try at all these things to be the best that I can be within reason. Right. And just have the ability to be there. Yeah. Because you're fun to be around, you'll be let into circles where you get to like, it's almost like when you're playing beer pong and you get to be like the celebrity shooter who comes in and be like, oh, yeah. cool, Eddie. All right, here you get to you get to play. Right. Whereas you can be like the most precise, robotic, best beer pong player in the world that no one wants no to one play wants with. To play. You. It's golf that I play. My brother's a scratch golfer and my dad's a pretty good golfer. And one day. And I'm a terrible golfer, but one day I went out with them when I was home in Pittsburgh and they were like, Hey, do you want to come play golf with us? And I was like, yeah. And they're so good. And into like the fifth hole, I just looked at my brother and I go, you guys are fucking impossible to play with. Like, this is the worst day of my life. (laughs) And I was like, do you guys mind if I leave? Because you haven't talked once. This is a terrible hang. I don't want to be around you. Uh, I'll see you guys later where, where you're not, you don't act like this, where you're not angry and like, you know, throwing clubs and this is you no, know, what is, the, yeah. where is the fun in this? And I feel the same way about surfing. I like to go surf with guys that are good hang. And I understand with you, you know, you need the safety, you need the technique. I like guys that are, uh, you know, that help me, that are a good laugh, uh, will share waves, that kind of stuff. Uh, and I get it. It's funny you were saying by being the being bringing fun because I'm a comedian. I've gotten to parlay that into like in the CrossFit world. I know all yeah. the best CrossFit. In surfing, I get to hang out with like I've gone surfing with Albie Layer and yeah, uh, Jamie Albie, Sterling. Uh, Albie's and, great. I have yeah. him on the podcast all the time. Do you really? Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. an idiot. He's, yeah. <laughs> I'd love to hear what he is. He's, oh, he's he's a vocal. He's a vocal. I love it, man. He's he's, he's great. I was just texting with him this morning. Yeah, uh, he, I'm trying to get him. Uh, I'm going to Dallas and I want to surf that. Uh, yeah, the the cable park. Yep. And uh, I'm bringing 
a guy to film for me for my shows and the guy's a surfer and i said i said come on you come do this you know i'll take care of your flights i'll do this i'll you know i'll take you to the cable park so i went to book it and it was sold out and i'm like fuck albie please yeah hell yeah, yeah. And he yeah. Wrote back, what are you gonna do for me <laughs> <laughs> of course of course yeah man i mean the the most uh important piece of equipment that i bring on a big wave trip with all these guys is my yui boom speaker because you gotta have <laughs> tunes <laughs> but i go i don't th- i think that this kind of gets into a larger concept of what we reward in society like the idea of like stop at nothing, win at all costs, yeah. like the like Red Bull motto of just like go further and further and further and you might die. You, right. you know, but, but like we reward that and there, it, it, there, it, there is a seductive aspect to it, that it, mentality it, of like really pushing it's it. American, it's American. That's an that's an American mentality because I learned that they're not like that. Right. In a lot of places when you leave America, when I went to England and I started doing comedy. Uh, I I, I want to get to this, but before I say that, let's look at the guys who have done that, right. who have won at all cost, at all cost, and what's happened to them. The Lance Armstrongs, the Tiger Woods, the uh, it blows up, it explodes, and it and it comes crumbling down unless you do it with proper intention. I mean, take from the surfing world, take someone like Kelly Slater. He was very very like kind of with that mentality for the longest time, and then just started opening himself up now he might not be the greatest surfer in the world i think he was the greatest surfer in the world ever always will be i mean just fucking amazing but he's opened himself up to so many more things now where he's sharing he's growing he's teaching he's uh you know he's got this wave pool for people and surfing's gonna go to another level he's got his his uh clothing company which is sustainable clothing which he's going hey you can survive and you can exist and be successful doing this and he's become more of a balanced person. So not only did he win, but he, he evolved yeah. and learned that if he just kept going down that road, he might self-destruct. And this opened him up. And I'm just saying this from an observational point of view, because he could probably go, you're fucking wrong. You know, like, that's not what I do. Uh, he seems to have, have carried grace through his career. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that seems to be a value that's important to him. Yeah. So I, I'm hoping that model of win at all cost is dying. I'm hoping that people are, you know, starting to say, you know, hey, look at the NFL. You made that tackle was the hardest hit ever. But guess what? You're going to have CTE. CTE now. Yeah. You're I see it with CrossFitters. They want to they want to be the best CrossFitter in the world. And six years later, they've got injuries in every part of their body. It's like, was that worth it for that moment of glory? Because. I heard Jordan Peterson talk about, uh, you know, seeing this kid lose and, uh, and he, and he was just a really good athlete, a hockey player, but he threw a tantrum and everything. And he was like, he's a real loser. He's like, he's not winning at life. He's losing it. Like he might be a great athlete and the MVP and, but he's losing at life. And if you look at what, uh, you know, someone like Harvey Weinstein or, you know, they lost at life. Lance Armstrong lost at life. And yeah, you could give your opinion that Lance was just doing what everyone else was doing, but he was, he got hit the hardest by it. Yeah. But the goal is to win at life and not win at life, but be happy and be successful. And if, if you have to do it at all costs and you're hurting people in the way, yeah, 
Well, you're, you're, sorry, I'm in it. No, no, I'm done. Um, so there, I'm not an economist, but one thing that has always fascinated me, um, it's an economist word is externalities. So they talk about how there can be a company, uh, that has huge profits, but they also have a lot of externalities. So like Nestle is the largest bottled water company in the world. Uh Um, And their externality is that when they sell a product to a developing country that has no waste infrastructure, they they know that that country has has no way of dealing with their product. So then you see these photos of like the plastic porn where it's, you know, in the rivers going out into the ocean. So these are all huge externalities. So even though they are seen as this really successful company, the largest bottled water company in the world, they're not accounting for the whole system. And I think that similarly, an athlete who is maybe winning the competition, that's the goal, but they're not accounting for the relationships in their lives, who they're hurting, who they're burning down the road. Like you can look at your life through this, this veil of, uh, externalities. And if you, and if your goal is to be more inclusive, have less of a myopic view of your life and the people you're surrounding yourself with, that is how you win at life. And that's how you can, continue to get to play the game right right with and, the people and, who you want to play with and that's important play continuing to play the game because yeah. i've seen people take shortcuts in my business and okay with burning everyone but jay leno always used to say it's a marathon it's not a sprint right and <clears throat> i've seen too many guys blow up become super successful and then they don't understand why no one wants to speak to them right or why they're getting kicked out of places or why no one will put them in their movies or TV shows. And now, granted, they got to a place I may never get to where they're this big movie star or TV star. But I'd rather be where I am now than where they are now because that come down is really fucking hard. Yeah. And my my manager is a really good person. And I, I've been through every manager in Hollywood and I finally settled on him because... He was a good person. And people were like, no, you need a shark in Hollywood. And you need, I go, no, I don't. No, I don't. I, if I do, if I did that, I'm complicit. So I need someone who's a good guy. And my manager's super successful. He represents some of the biggest comedians in the world right now. And he said to me one time when I was talking about somebody who wronged me, he said, careful who you kick on the way up. They kick you twice as hard on the way down. So, you know, just tread lightly and uh, don't burn these bridges and it's just better to treat people better than and he told me all these stories of people that became super successful and let their let it all get to their head and then they treated people horribly and I, I was it, it's been a real struggle for me like everything I've ever gotten in my career I've had to work really hard for and I'm glad for that right. because it's it's made me stay humble where I'm like oh don't do this and don't remember that like the waitresses at the comedy club are my equal and not working for me and they've got their struggles and everything and just little things that I'm like remember their name when if I've gone to a comedy club to try to remember their name and try because they're just as important as the person that books the club because that person's writing my check doesn't matter yeah and there's so many little things that where when you're on that fast track you 
can forget about. Yeah. And value people who are willing to give you the feedback. Like, so I, I want to ask your opinion on this because um, I do think that's that's smart to not trade in um, throwing grenades at people. Like you see a lot of people who who are famous and who get bigger by creating adversarial relationships mm-hmm. um, and just talking shit. Like there is a currency in that. Yeah. Um, that I don't think is good to trade in. I also though think that uh, many times people don't get honest feedback from their friends, and sure, they're, they're sure, on sure. the way up. And this is like I listened to Lance Armstrong's interview on Rogan, yeah. and he said like it was a small industry, and no one was really taking me aside and being like, "Dude, you need to stop. you need to stop." So how that's, do you, yeah how do that's, how do that's, you, how do you do that's that it, that's with people? That's interesting because. I'm watching a friend explode right now and become massive, like the biggest comedian in the world. And uh, they, I'm not even going to say if it's a man or a woman, uh, they are, it happens so quickly. And it's like you're in a monster truck with a snowplow just mowing shit down. And, uh, they, you don't want to get pushed away. And you know that there are so many people that want their ear that the second you tell them anything that they don't want to hear, they're going to push you away because they're on this track and they don't want to get knocked off the track. And it's been happening because everybody's been, you know, kissing their ass. Right. And so it's really hard to tell them because this person... There's a couple things going on that it's hard to say, slow down or you're doing this wrong or because they're like, who are you to tell me I'm doing something wrong? Like, you haven't achieved this. Look what's happening to me. And you're like, I've seen this happen. It's going to get ugly and I'm worried about you and everybody's in your ear and they're paying you and you're getting this and you're getting that. But it's so hard to to an old friend of mine used to say, be honest with everyone. Like if someone's like severely obese or something, tell them, go, you're fat. You need to lose weight. And they go, yeah, you're going to hurt their feelings. But later on, they're going to thank you. They're going to appreciate the fat. And I go, I don't believe that. I don't believe they're going to, you're going to, they're going to say you hurt their feelings. And he said, it's better to be honest with them because even if you hurt their feelings, but it affects them where they go make that change. Even if they never thank you, didn't you help them more than, you know, you, you, you prolonged their life. Right. Isn't that better than being their friend or, and I go, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point, but it's so hard to do that. One reason why I really appreciate Albie Lair is that he does that. <laughs> like he can come off like a dick, but he tells like, he's one of the only people who will comment on John John's Instagram and, and, and he'll, you know, John John will post a, a video of him surfing a wave in a heat and, or uh, surfing a free surf. And Albie will be like, why don't you surf like that in heats? Which is <laughs> fuck true. Like he's making a great point that the best surfers in the world aren't incentivized to surf their best <laughs> in the criteria. Can I tell you how I met Albie? Sure. Uh, so, uh, I was in Hawaii doing the, uh, doing shows. I do shows at Turtle Bay a lot yeah. at the surfer bar. And I just love to go. And the people there, the greatest people in the world. And it's just really fun. And I'm doing the shows and they said, oh, you're coming over again. You're going to be here during surfer pole. 
would you like to uh, be on the Surfer Pole Awards? And I was like, would I like to? You know, perform in front of all my heroes? That's amazing. I would love to. So I go perform, and I don't, I don't want to criticize the... Uh, I don't want to criticize the the people that organized the event, uh, but they, because it wasn't their fault. They said you're going to go first, then we're going to have the hosts go up, and then we're. And I said, I know comedy really well. I was like, this isn't going to work. And they're like, Yeah, it will. And I didn't want to tell them how to do their job, but I was like, We need a certain setup, and there need there's so many elements to comedy, like nuances that people don't know. Low ceilings work well. Lots of light on the comic. Uh, air conditioning, like really cool place. There's all these different things. Packing the seating in, and 23 years of comedy, I know these things. It's just like you know, you know about a wave and what, the difference between what's going to make the tide or why it's going to be better at low tide than high tide. So. Why wasn't I, it going to work by you coming up early? Uh, it wasn't because there was no warm up or introduction to me. The crowd didn't know who I was. There right. wasn't. There was a god mic introducing me, like someone from backstage. Yeah. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, come to the stage, comedian idiot. Right. And surfers are like, "What the huh. fuck? Huh. They, Be they, funny." They had they hadn't <laughs> seated everyone yet. Ooh. So half okay. the audience was out in the hallway still. Right. Uh, there were just all these elements against me. Yeah. And, um, but I was like, you know what? This is what I have to work with. I'll do it. And I did my best. And it didn't go over. It went over. It didn't go over as well as I would like it to. Um, if I could have arranged it my own way, I could have made it really work. Uh, and a lot of people were like, holy shit. Like, I did a joke about Alana Blanchard that I said, uh, you know, Albie Layer, they said he did the greatest move in surfing this year, the the, the seven twenty or whatever movie did is five four, whatever no one knows the fucking name. Double um, alley up, whatever. Whatever it is. And I said it's arguably the best move in surfing, but I would say it's the second best next to Alana Blanchard's duck dive. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know, Alana Blanchard, like a lot of female surfers, wears a thong and you know, she's a very pretty girl and you know, the duck dive. So I thought very funny. I got booed on that joke. And I think there's like a lot of political correctness in surfing. Right. Because it's a very corporate thing. But there was a lot of, but those were kind of the jokes I was doing. I made fun of Kelly. I made fun of, uh, uh, and, and you know, it's what I do. But I do it in like, these are my heroes. I'm making fun of them. I talked about Matt Wilkinson quitting drinking and becoming, you know, finally winning events. I go, right. if, if, if you knew that that's all you had to do to win. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, I said his, you know, his performance enhancing drugs are uh, different than everyone else's and all these. It was just jokes. But like the corporate side of it was very like uncomfortable, uncomfortable. Yeah. The Volcom house guys in the back of the room, like took me out on a pedestal. Like they, they, yeah, they chaired me out. <laughs> They're like, you got to come back and party with us, blah, blah, blah. You're fucking amazing. And I was still feeling kind of bad. I was like, oh, the good kids now are all upset. The bad kids think I'm hilarious. But I wanted everybody. I wanted everybody to like it. So I'm feeling kind of shitty. I go to the bathroom. I'm taking a piss. And I didn't even know who Albie was, but he's standing next to me at the pisser. And he just looks at me. And I'm going, did I do good? Did I do badly? What am I? And I'm thinking that in my head. And he just looks over at me and goes, sorry about surfers, dude. We're all really dumb. <laughs> he goes, he goes, I thought you were funny. Yeah. And that whenever somebody says to you after your show, I thought you were funny, 
mean to you dude yeah, shit. yeah 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 it's like oh eddie that was a great cutback for you so yeah yeah so uh so he goes i thought you were funny and so he's like you want to get a drink so we went and had a drink and we just laughed and made fun of everybody together and i was like oh this guy's a good guy um and that's where we struck up our friendship um but uh it, it, that going back to that honesty was right there. He goes, I thought you were funny. Like no one else did. <laughs> and I appreciate that. I hate when people come up to me after a show and go, no, it was good. It's good. It was good. Yeah. A real like, high tone. And I'm like, no, it wasn't right. I know I've been doing this for 20. I know when it's a bad show and my wife will be the first I'll get off stage and she'll be like, that was fucking, what happened? And I'm like, I know it was terrible. And I appreciate the honesty. And I think people going back to, I talk too much, but, uh, people on their rise up, uh, just enjoy all that, those accolades and that ass kissing. And so anybody that's going to come in, so Lance might not even realize that the person that tried to have his ear that said, maybe you shouldn't do this he pushed him out because the vast majority were on that train with him. Because if you get on that train and I know it, if you, if you're kiss the, kiss the people's ass, they're going to bring you with them. Right. If you're constantly <clears throat> second guessing them and they're getting rid of you. And so Lance probably doesn't realize he got rid of everyone who said, Hey, maybe you shouldn't do that so much. Or, Hey, you know, like w we have the opportunity to clean the sport up or we, Blah, 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 blah. And he was just, no, 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 win, win, win at all costs. And I heard that, Joe Rogan, and I got to say, this is a tangent. I, I kind of agree with Lance on a lot of those things where he said, I won using drugs. You take the drugs away from all of us, I still would have won. I was the best rider out there. I just won on drugs. And, and I also agree, like, should he have to apologize when everybody's doing it? Well, Yes, but so should everyone. Everyone else should come forward and go, yeah, he got called out, but we should all kind of raise our hands like I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. Yeah. You know, the whole I am Spartacus thing. Do you know that? Tell me. Um, the old Spartacus movie, they were trying to. to oh, right. Yeah, I know exactly. Said, I'm Spartacus. Yeah, everyone's Spartacus. And then everybody yeah. said, I'm Spartacus. And they yep. all. And I think in those situations. The gladiator, right? Was yeah, like yeah. like the like in the NFL with steroids, they're all still using yep. steroids and stuff. They should all come forward and go, "We're all doing it." Yep. Or a vast majority of us that you can be forgiving. There's safety in numbers, and we should figure this out together, uh, rather than this denial. Yeah, and this lying that goes on, and to recognize the drug. Um, we're gonna we can uh, stop this super soon. I know that you got to go. No, but, it's okay. Um, to recognize that it is a form of a drug experience when yeah. you're going up. Like yeah. I find that like I was just at Burning Man and, um, you know, was using MDMA and psychedelics. Mm -hmm. And, um, one thing that I found that was really helpful. Did you do DMT? Um, I didn't do DMT at Burning Man. I've done it before. You like it? Um, it was, whew, I had a wild experience on DMT that went out to, I couldn't those guys, yeah, those guys at, at on it had me on oh, their yeah. podcast. Oh yeah, they're into it. <laughs> Not on the podcast, but yeah. they they did it afterwards. Wow. Well, yeah, we, we I won't get into it. I, could, here, I couldn't but do it. It was it was wild. Anyway, the, my point is that to recognize a drug experience as a drug experience, like wow, this feels really good because this is a drug because the dopamine because the dopamine yeah. right and and to separate and just to not trust that feeling fully 
Right. It, it, it can make it much more manageable. And that's, you know, the same with anger. I think this is like mindfulness 101. Like watch the thought go by like a cloud. And you can be like, okay, that feels good to have this person say this really nice thing to me, but don't take it too seriously. Similarly, like when you're coming up and everyone is kissing your ass, treat it as a drug experience. Like notice the dopamine in sure, your head sure. and how good that feels. It's hard when you're young though. When I, I started comedy when I was in my early twenties and um, they gave me a lot of things that I did not deserve hmm. because of my look and my youth and all these things that I was getting a lot of easy success thrown at me. And because of it, I didn't have, you know, I didn't have this wisdom as I do being older of knowing that there were going to be trials and tribulations and that there were going to be peaks and valleys and that like it gets hard. Oh yeah. So I didn't value it yeah. as much. And I think, you know, you look at these guys, they start at a very young age, they have success and they don't have that. Uh, you know, Lance was a different story because of the cancer and all this stuff. But, right, but, but you know, Tiger Woods and all, I, they're just two examples I'm using. But anybody at that age, they don't have the 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 sagacity. I don't know if that's the right word. I don't, I use big words that I don't even know what they mean. Um, <laughs> uh, they, they just don't have that wisdom as they get older to, or, or at the young age to know that it is a drug and that it is a high and that, they should be careful. It's just, and it's also just such an extreme high. Like my friend that I keep talking about, it's it's fucking like it's you're going through something that no one in the world is going through. It's like the pinnacle of what the whole the whole everyone you know is working for and trying to get, and you've gotten there. Yeah. And I just, it's funny. I just read a quote today and it's all about that. Like, it's not about the you know destination. It's about the journey. And my friend sent me this today and I thought it was really funny that he sent it because it, it's, it's apropos to this. Um, he, uh, it was so funny that he sent me this today. It was about somebody was being interviewed, somebody super famous. Yeah. And, uh, but all the disappointment, like, I think that's the main thing. They, someone like Jim Carrey talks about this a lot, like getting to the top and feeling profoundly disappointed. It was Lionel Richie. Mm. And, uh, he said, uh, Neil Strauss was asking him, an author said, have you thought about putting your experience into a book? And he said, I did decide to write about what I experienced in climbing to the top. And finally, when I got there, I discovered what was at the top. You know, what was there. No, I don't. Nothing. Not one thing. What was at the top was all the experiences that you had to get there. And so I know that now. And I know that from being, I've never been at the top, but I've had really good experiences and stuff. And, and I know it was all about the journey. And I try to tell people that work for me that and I, you know, when they're like, when we get this or when this happens or when we get the TV show and I go, guys, you're going to regret it. Don't, it's, stop, you know, all those cliches are real. You know, stop and smell the flowers. Remember this, the journey. And these are the times that you're going to look back on. The memories are going to be so great. And when you're in the thick of it and the hard work and appreciate this. And it's, you know, I've tried to fight against it my whole life, but it's all fucking true. You know, it's all, it's all right. Those cliches are there for a reason. Yeah. It's a cliche is a truth that's been exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so, uh, you know, this, well, yeah. dude, that's a great place to end, man. Yeah. Thank you so it's, much. It's been I, awesome. I really enjoyed this conversation so much. I can tell you off air that I couldn't tell you on. Yeah. <laughs>
Um, where can people find you? Oh, yeah. Instagram? Oh, you know, it's interesting that you might like... Um, November 4th, I'm doing a gig at the Comedy Store for Clean Water. Um, uh, all those guys I surf with uh, who are all comedians, and they're great. Lachlan Patterson is an amazing comedian. He came in second in the last comic standing. He's been on every TV show. He's brilliant, brilliant comedian. Brilliant. And I surf with him all the time. Uh, Joe Prano. Very funny comedian, been on a lot of stuff on TV, has a great podcast called The Dirty Sports. He's a surfer. He's going to be on it. Andrew Norelli has been on David Letterman twice. He's going to be on it. Uh, he lives down in San Diego, fun surfer. Uh, who else? There's a couple others. Moshe Kasher, yeah. great comedian who's been on uh, Rogan and... Uh, He's not a very good surfer at all. He's into it, though, right? Yeah, he loves it. And I was emailing with him back and forth a little bit because Chris is trying to introduce yeah, yeah, us yeah. to him. He's a very smart guy. Yeah. And very nice guy. Been I appreciate his for perspective, years. yeah. And he's going to be on the show. And we have no women because I don't know any. And it's not... I, I feel like there's this push like, why are why is it all white male? And I could go on this tangent for hours. But the truth is, and it's just like, this is what happens all the time. I don't know. I know a ton of funny women. Tons. And I know some of them are the best comedians in the world. They don't surf. I just got the guys that surf, that uh, do comedy, that care about the water, that are sick of getting pink eye or you know, watching condoms float by them. Yeah. And uh, it's a little bit we can do. And I, I don't know if we're doing it for the WSL Pure thing. We're waiting to hear from them. I'm like, we're giving you money. Right. And they're like, well, we need to find out. Uh, or Surf Rider or whoever. But it's somebody's getting like five grand or something amazing so, november 2nd no november 4th november it's a 4th. sunday night okay and i think sal mesichella is gonna host yep. it and uh you're welcome to come out i and, would love to and all the money all the money is going to the charity so uh come out and support and it'll be comedy stores one of the best comedy clubs in the whole world and it'll be packed in like you know the big room so amazing and eddie ift on instagram if people want to get in touch with you yeah at eddie ift d-d-d-i-e-i-f-f-t and um, I'm everywhere. I'm in Vancouver coming up, and all my dates are on uh, eddieif.com. Vancouver, where else am I going? Anywhere good? Uh, I'm going to Vancouver, then I go to Dallas, then I go to Portland. So check out all my dates. I'm always touring. Dude, thank you so much. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. That's our show. I'm going to play you out with a song called Three Foot Tires and Rising by Oppo. These guys listened to the podcast and they sent me some tunes. If you are a musician and you want your music played at the end of the show, you can email it to info at kyle.surf. That's where you can also send me these little voice memos that I love getting from you. If you are listening to the show in traffic, on top of a mountain, while trimming weed, or in the ocean, and you have your phone on you, you can click the voice memos app and you can record a little 30 second to one minute uh, recording. Just let me know who you are, where you're listening from, you know, something inspiring, a little message to the world, and you can email it to info at kyle.surf, and I will play it at the beginning of the show. Uh, besides that, um, the Motherfucker Awards, you can get tickets now at themotherfuckerawards.com. Um, you can also check out some of my work at kyle.surf. And finally, uh, it's an ad-free podcast. So if you dig it, share it with a friend, donate on Patreon, or just keep enjoying it. With that, get out in the water, give someone a high five, and kiss someone you love, because life's short. I'll see you guys soon. And uh, one more thing, Maverick Ceremony, this Friday, 2 p.m., Half Moon Bay. See you there.
sun, it's a new day arousing Had a lot of fun saving the burning rice stacks Stepping in time, saw the Weimar around to the desert 39 We saw the ice pack slipping in the sea and put a new jet fix on the ocean and the chains We own a street near Hollywood and Vine, got three foot ties The ocean's rising high, float down Vine by three foot ties Street 